0: Welcome to Logos Live. I'm Robert Martin, Director of the City Bible Forum in Melbourne, and I'm your host for the show. Logos is Greek for word or message, and Logos Live engages the Christian message before a live audience in Melbourne. Now, Logos Live explores objections to the Christian message, and one important objection in our world today is that the Bible isn't true. Many say that it doesn't work, it makes predictions that are wrong, and it makes claims for which there is no evidence. Well-known atheist Sam Harris claims that every religion preaches the truth of propositions for which it has no evidence, and that the Bible is brimming with lies. So, what are we to make of this? Is the Bible wrong? Is it brimming with lies? Well, we've engaged this issue on a number of Logos Live episodes, but today we want to focus on one specific prediction made in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter is a book near the back of the New Testament where the author makes a claim which can actually be tested in some way. He writes to Christian believers by saying, "Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us." Here Peter is saying that based on their new identity as Christian believers in the world, foreigners and exiles, believers live differently. They abstain from sinful desires and instead live good lives. So in this passage then, Peter makes an implicit prediction. He sets up something that we should expect, that there will be a correlation between people becoming Christians because they see the good deeds of other believers. We could term this the attraction-conversion hypothesis, that people, notably people with no Christian faith, they're described as pagans here in 1 Peter, will be attracted to the Christian faith and will be converted. They'll become believers and ultimately give glory to the God they formerly rejected because they see the difference the Christian message makes in the lives of believers they know and meet. Now this idea, the attraction-conversion hypothesis, is found elsewhere in the Bible. Consider the words of Jesus himself in the Gospel of Matthew, one of the four biographies of Jesus' life we have. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So here, good deeds are described as light. And this is winsome and attractive, ultimately leading people to give glory to God. The same word used in 1 Peter. So the Bible proposes this attraction-conversion hypothesis. But does it really work? Are the lives of genuine Christian believers any different to those around them? Are people really attracted to the Christian message because of the way believers live their lives? Well, if the answer to these questions were yes, then... Couldn't this be some evidence to suggest that the Bible might be true? So, we'll put this attraction-conversion hypothesis to the test today as we share some stories from past guests of Logos Live. In this episode, I've gathered together a number of stories from guests who grew up as unbelievers, perhaps even as pagans, and we'll hear what happened. Our first guest is Gillian Asquith. Gillian is a Melbourne-based lecturer in New Testament and Greek. She joined us to talk about Easter and shared a really powerful story of how the forgiveness of Jesus enabled her to forgive her husband after a particularly difficult incident. Yet Gillian didn't grow up in a Christian home and she recounts the story of how she became a Christian believer. What convinced you to become a Christian believer?
1: In a nutshell, and then I'll unpack the nutshell, Mm -hmm. so in a nutshell...
0: I don't like shells, I like the inside, (laughs) I like the nut rather than the shell, the shell's not so great, yeah.
1: So I think that Christianity is the only solution for the human condition. And by the human condition, I mean that nastiness the that's inside all of us. Um, I was in my final year at high school, and I was dating a guy who had just become a Christian. Um, and he had this wonderful group of friends that he liked to socialize with on a Friday and Saturday night, and he invited me along to become part of that group. I found that very frustrating. I wanted cosy, romantic, one-on-one time (laughs) with him and he wanted to be in a big group.
0: These were annoying Christians who you were with, wasn't it? That's right, (laughs) very annoying
1: Christians. But the more time I spent with this group of people, the more I realised how different they were to me and I could could understand why this guy wanted to spend time with them rather than time with me.
0: So what was different about them?
1: As a teenage girl, when I was with my own group of friends, we got our greatest pleasure from uh, pulling apart the friends that weren't with us, right. bitching about them, really. Um, and, and that was entertaining, it was pleasurable, and it could take up a very long time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but when I, um, when I encountered this group of friends, they were completely different. They, they didn't talk about each other behind their backs. They, they cared for each other. They... They just seemed like really lovely people. And I, I wanted to be like them. But no matter how hard I tried, and I could put a pretense on on the outside, you know, I can be on my best behaviour for a little while, but, but I knew that that wasn't what I was really like on the inside. I could present as nice, but know that on the inside I was still envious, manipulative, bitter, hard, and I couldn't change that. And I thought back to Sunday school lessons that I went to when I was really young. And I remember the Sunday school teacher talking about being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that when you follow Jesus, his Holy Spirit actually comes into a person and changes them from the inside. And I thought, that's what I'm seeing in these people. They have been changed from the inside, and I'm seeing the reflection of that. And I thought I wanna be like that. I wanna be changed from the inside. Hmm.
0: And so you did? And has it has it changed? Has it worked?
1: I did. Well, that's for other people I guess <laughs> to say. <laughs> we'll just
0: give it we'll just call a few of your friends now just <laughs> to see. Does she does she talk about other people?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um so my friends noticed a change in me back then. Right. Um, the Bible talks about when the Holy Spirit comes into a person, then they are empowered to be more loving, joyful, patient, kind. And so I, I, I do hope that I can display more of those qualities than I would if I hadn't become a Christian. But I think the fact that I managed to forgive my husband through those terrible early years. Hmm. It's really hard bringing up two small children on your own. It's really hard when your former husband then cuts off child support and you have to go out to work um, when you'd prefer to be a mum at home. There was a whole lot of stuff that I had to work through and I see that as the the empowering of the Holy Spirit enabling me to do that.
0: Hmm. Gillian Asquith wanted to be like the really lovely people she met. She was attracted to believers who abstained from gossiping and being nasty to one another. You can hear all of Gillian's story in Logos Live, episode 47. Our next guest grew up clearly as a pagan. Rob Buckingham is now pastor of Bayside Church in Melbourne. But as a teenager, this looked a very unlikely career path. Rob joined us for our Encounters with Jesus series and we pick up his story in his youth. So now, in your youth, you were a self-professed
3: atheist. Yes. Was that how you felt about Jesus? Yeah, very much so. I I thought that, uh, well, I didn't believe in God at all, Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't believe in Jesus. He may have been... a historical figure, I wasn't really sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, very highly sceptical. But you were spiritual though? Yes, and I've called myself a spiritual atheist uh, as I look back uh, through those uh, years. Um, So an atheist, so didn't believe in God, but was very open to spiritual things. Mm -hmm.
0: So what sort of spiritual things were you... Exploring or involved in? I mean, Lots,
3: spiritual atheists Some would say that's a almost a contradiction. Yeah, not believing in God, but being very aware of the spirit world, and so mm. very into um, astrology, uh, astral projection, uh, all of that, all of that kind of thing. Um, very aware that there was a spiritual dimension to life. Mm-hmm. But when it came to the Christian God, no, thank you, nothing at all.
0: No, no. So you're a pastor of the church now. As a 15 year old, did you ever think that you would be a pastor
3: of a church? Never. And in fact, if someone had suggested that, they would have heard uh, a response with some very choice words.
0: Right, very colourful language, perhaps. Yes, extremely. Right, okay, so what happened? What changed?
3: Uh, when I was uh, – well, I finished, I finished um, high school in Perth, and uh, as I said before, I always wanted to be a radio announcer, so I did radio school at Mount Lawley Technical College in, mm-hmm. in Perth, in WA, and then at the end of that, I got a job in radio, my first radio job was in Geraldton in Western mm-hmm. Australia, and uh, in my seventh month there, a mate of mine had come over from Melbourne, and uh, he was hitchhiking around Australia, so he chatted with me, and he said, well, why don't you come hitchhiking with me, and I decided I would do that, so I quit my job in radio, bought a backpack, and – Peter and I went hitchhiking up the West Coast and all around. So for several months, um, he travelled on his own. After a while, I stayed in Darwin and worked and got some money together, and then I started to travel on my own. And uh, in in the beginning of... um, Uh, November 1977. I was picked up by a truckie in northern New South Wales and uh, as soon as I got into his truck he told me that he was a born-again Christian and you can imagine how that went down with me. But I needed a (laughs) lift to Sydney so uh, off we went in his brand new Kenworth truck and about two hours later we were involved in a head-on collision with another truck. The two guys in the other truck both died and when I got out of hospital, um, I went and lived with this truckie and his wife and family in Sydney and, uh, while I was recovering from, from my injuries. And so it was during that time I just saw genuine Christianity in action. Mm. Mm. And after about six weeks living with them, I asked them one Sunday night if I could go to church with them. And, and what do you think uh, they felt? I'm sure they were leaping up and down on the inside, uh, but they were very calm. They said, sure, if you'd like to come, you're most welcome. And so I went along, and I just saw in the very small congregation, probably 20, 25 people, but I saw the same reality that I saw in this family. And it was something that was highly attractive. Mm. It wasn't so much what they said as the way they lived, Mm. and very much thinking, I would like what they've got. Mm. So that was the beginning of my journey. I decided to believe in God. I accepted Jesus as my Saviour at that point, and then I walked away for two years. And when I was 21, my faith really started to get grounded to what convinced you or what pushed you to ground that faith in that sort of recommitment phase walking away and trying everything I had wanted to try uh and when I talk about that I'm talking about different religions drugs you name it I went through the whole gamut of exploration for about two years uh, which ended with a suicide attempt uh, because I was so depressed mm. and then my best mate became a Christian and started to talk to me about Jesus and uh, I said yeah actually I, I know about that And it was just a kind of a decision on the inside at that point Mm. to say, yeah, I I really want to live as a Christian. Mm.
0: So even though you were an atheist,
3: when you saw these people that you met and you saw genuine Christianity, they had something that you wanted, you felt that there was something missing? For me, I think it was connecting the dots, believing in a spiritual aspect to life, never seeing that in the Christian church. In fact, if I made a list of the things that I was looking for um, to find fulfillment or looking at to find fulfillment, I wouldn't have even put Christianity or Jesus on that list. Mm. But when I met these people, that changed my mind. So what was it then about Jesus that convinced you to change your mind? Again, I think it was what I saw. In, in these people, mm. and I thought, wow, you know, they talked about God as a real being, mm. and I'd never heard that before. And the way that they, they talked about God was in a way that He wasn't up there somewhere, but He was very much a part of their lives, and and wanted to interact in a very real way mm. with people. And I just I just found that highly attractive. I thought, wow, if, they, if this is real, I want to experience this. Mm.
0: Rob saw what he describes as genuine Christianity in action. He saw real Christian faith and he wanted it. The lives of the believers he encountered were attractive to him. You can hear the rest of Rob's story in Logos Live, episode 38. Now, John Hudson also grew up effectively as a pagan and led a fairly rebellious life as a teenager. At the time of our interview, John was pastor of Melbourne Evangelical Church and he shares his story. John, today you're the pastor of Melbourne, or the lead pastor of Melbourne Evangelical Church, but it would be fair to say that when you were growing up in high school, if someone were to ask you, what are you going to do when you grow up, being the pastor of a church was probably not high on the list at all, or not Mm. on the
4: list even at all? No, not on the list at all. Uh, So I went to Melbourne High, and during that time I fell into a fairly bad crowd, got into drugs and drug dealing at one point. after that I went to university and uh, I was really struck by uh, the Christians that I met there uh, through the Christian Union and so I uh, kept coming along. They they seemed much more other person centred than other people that I knew and had spoken to. These people seemed different. What sort of things did they do that made you see them as being different? Yeah they, they seemed to do things that weren't in their interests at all but only for the interests of others So they, they chased me up, they followed me up They asked me if, I, if they could help me with things When it, it really didn't help them, it didn't suit them it, They kind of went out of their way And uh, I remember thinking, as I used to think as an atheist I can remember very clearly Why would I do something that wasn't in my interest? Like if it didn't benefit me It was kind of not a question of Or you know, something I would consider And these people had a very different mindset mm. So you were, when you went to university You would have considered yourself an atheist? Yes yeah. So was there a reason for that? Like, what was, what were your, what was your rationale? Well, I guess uh, if there was a God, he was kind of like a vending machine. You know, if there was a God, his job was to serve us, not, not us to serve him. I could kind of treat him like a credit card. Uh, yeah, I hadn't really heard any different, and I just kind of assumed that was the case.
0: Mm-hmm. But then you met these Christians, these pesky Christians yeah. at university. And
4: yeah. had you met Christians before that? Uh, not really, no. I'd, I'd met a few nominal Catholics Uh, But that was about it. Mm -hmm.
0: So then you met these Christians at university, and and then what happened?
4: Yeah, and so I kept coming along, and uh, they invited me to their mid-year camp, which they called Summit. And uh, on the camp, there was talks on the book of Leviticus, of all things, which persuaded me, uh, if there is a God, that you've got to come to him on his terms, not your own. I can't just decide what God is like and kind of, okay, now you can be my credit card or vending machine or whatever but you've got to come to God on his terms. And so I did.
0: Wow. And so what happened after that?
4: You... Yep. So then I... Uh... You
0: weren't an atheist any longer, I assume?
4: No. No. So I became a Christian on the 11th of July, 2001, and uh, kept coming along to the Christian union, got involved in the church, uh, those kind of things, uh, read the, the Bible, uh, had lots and lots of questions. And so uh, asked questions, got answers, read lots of, of books as well
0: the other person-centeredness of believers was a major factor in challenging John's atheism.
4: Now, John Hudson's
0: been a guest in a couple of Logos Live episodes, and you can hear more of his story in Logos Live episode 4. One of the early Logos Live episodes we recorded featured New Testament scholar Mike Bird. Growing up, Mike had very little exposure to the Christian faith. Yet when he was living in Sydney, something changed. Hear his story now. Uh, In your recent book, you write that growing up, Everything you ever knew about Christianity was from Ned Flanders in The Simpsons. Yep. Now, was that an attractive picture to you at the time?
5: Uh, it was better than some options going around. Yeah. Bart and Homer seemed to have the most fun in the Simpsons TV show. Uh, but that—that—that that, that line was just basically saying, you know, I grew up in a, in a very uh, non-religious background. Yeah. You know, there was no, no no religion. Nothing was brought up. It was just a, a complete non-entity right. in our suburban life. As a teenager, you were presented with three options about Jesus. He was either a
0: liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. So then what changed your mind? What
5: convinced you that he was the Lord? Uh, A number of things. Uh, First of all, I got involved with a Christian community somewhat out of sheer boredom, you know, I was in Sydney, not much to do on a Sunday morning. So a friend invited me to church and I met some Christians. And, uh, so you I, was, yeah, just had nothing to do? So you just literally started. nothing to do. I mean, where do, where, where, what do you do? Where do you go to recover from a good hangover after a Saturday night at King's Cross? Right. I mean, go to church. Go to church. You know, <laughs> something, something, something to do. Uh, and I went along, and I was expecting, you know, basically a bunch of uh, moralising geriatrics in their late 80s. Uh, that was pretty much my conception of church, or the conception I had from watching TV. Um, so I, I went along, and they were nothing like that. It was a very big mix of people, ranging from the, uh, from the toddlers to the elderly and all in between. And none of them were two-headed freaks uh, they were not you know, a bunch of moralising geriatrics or anything like that. They were just very nice people, but a little bit of normally nice, kind of like Ned Flanders nice, but right. without, the, without the weirdness and cheesiness. Right. And there was something different about them, and I was certainly very drawn to who they were and why they were different, what made them different, what made them the people they were. So I you know, began thinking about this and the first time ever I, I read a copy of the New Testament and again my eyes were open to a world I never knew about, uh, about who is this Jesus guy and I had to think and reflect, is this guy who he said he was? Is he really the son of God? And the answer I became convinced of was yes, he is. And if that's the case, then you know, I owe him my faith, uh, my worship, my life, my everything. Mike
0: Bird was drawn to the difference of this Christian community. Mike's Logos Live episode was the second Logos Live episode we ever aired, and you can hear it at logoslive.org. Our final story comes from former supermodel Tracy Trinita. She grew up in Indonesia and entered a modeling competition and won. She was offered a modeling contract in New York and went on to become Indonesia's first supermodel modeling all around the world. She was rich, famous, and successful, yet she felt empty. And she began a spiritual quest to find the truth. And we pick up Tracy's story as she was offered a new job and meet someone whose friendship changed Tracy's life.
2: My agency asked me if I would like to move to Paris. And I moved to Paris. But it's so interesting because Paris, from Molling's perspective, was amazing. I got an amazing job, meeting lots of amazing people. But there's one friendship that really, really got used to change my life. Uh, this girl, she studied at Sorbonne University, and she asked me to go to church. And I'm like, no, because Sunday is my sleeping time. I only wake up when I'm hungry. It's normally around 2 <laughs> o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Can you have an apple? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the lucky one. The skin okay, right. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then what happened is that she insists I should come to church. I did, because I just want her to stop asking. So I went to church with her and I don't know what to do. I look around me and I, there's something different. I see a glow in people's face. The glow is not because there's lighting. The glow is not because of makeup glitter or they look amazing. No, they look simple. Yet they're so happy and I want to know why they're so happy. And that was the first curious question that came up in my heart. It's like, why are they happy? I want to know why they're happy. I want to be happy like them. Mm-hmm. They're simple but happy. So what happened after that? So... I said, like, is it possible because they know Jesus? Is it possible because they're Christian? But sometimes there's something within me say, like, no, Tracy, do not easily believe in religion. You have to do your homework. You have to investigate everything. And you have to get the answer mm-hmm. that really makes sense in your mind and touch your heart. So I did. So I said, like, okay, there's six belief systems that I really like. I want to dig in more. I want to ask them the same questions. And I want them to answer every question, the same questions. And I want to see the answer. Mm-hmm. So I ask the question, like, why God create human beings? Who is God? What God looks like? Or, and then like, what's the purpose of existence of humankind? Why there is suffering in the world? And one of the most profound questions I ask also, where do we go when we die? Mm-hmm. To my surprise, all belief does not talk about the same God because their description of God is different. The description of even the purpose of humankind is different. And the most profound one is destiny. All these six religions explain about destiny differently, as if they talk about these different things about God and different endings. But one thing that's so profound is the answer that Christian faith gave me that really touched my heart. What was that? It makes sense in my mind. That we are wrong. We've done lots of wrong things, even without we realize that. We hurt people. We live in a broken world. And that's really makes sense because, like, yeah, I see that. I mean, that's true, you know, Even though I denied that I'm actually a bad person, but I've done many bad things. And second is that God not just leaves us like that, but God comes to the world in Jesus. And he lived a perfect life, healing, rising people from death, and lots of other miracles. And he is the one who we spoke to the unwanted in the society. And he is just amazing person. It's so funny. I have so much opinion about Jesus Christ before I read the Bible, before I really study about him. When I read the Bible, when I studied about him, he's so different. Mm -hmm. He's the most amazing person on earth. And then the most beautiful one as well is that God promised that he's the way, the true, and the life. And no one comes to the Father, to heaven, except through Jesus. And he also says that if you believe in me, you'll be with me in paradise. And for me, that's the only promise that God come to the world to save us. Other faith is about us reaching out to God, Mm. but this is the only time that God reaching out to us. And for Mm. me, a bit too good to be true at that time, but it's the most beautiful love story. It's the most beautiful God reaching out to humankind who will never find Him and ask for help.
0: Jesus said once to His disciples in Matthew 5.16, He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what does that
2: passage mean to you, Tracy? Before I become a believer, I read that passage and I realized like the people who really devoted themselves to Jesus, who really repent before him, who really live a new life in him, they're glowing, their face radiant, they have a new lifestyle, a new motive, and they're selfless, you know, they're not selfish, they're just kind, they do lots of impactful things to the point that I look at them and I realize like, why are you so nice? Why are you so generous? Why are you constantly helping others? Why? And then they say, like, because we want to glorify God. As so so I just on that, the, yeah.
0: so this light shining before <clears throat> others, you saw that in the glow that you saw in these people.
2: The face glow and also their behavior. They're mm-hmm. so generous. They're so different. I've never seen these kind of people in modeling world. Mm. And now just, as a believer? Before I become a believer, I tried to change myself so many times. And I still come back after two weeks, after three weeks, after two months to the old me. It's just really hard to change. But when I accept Jesus as my Savior, I repent of my wrongdoings. I say sorry for all the things I've done wrong in life. I say to Jesus, come into my heart. I trust what you say in the Bible. I trust what I've learned about you. And I trust that you're God who comes to the world. you so personal to us. Please change me. Mm. That moment, actually, I, I change, Like, without effort. It's like effortlessness change, And for me, that was a miracle. And even my family call it miracle as well. I used to be grumpy. I used to be selfish, lots of negativity about me. And when I become Christian, I was so joyful. There is something lift up from my shoulder, a sense of liberating, a freedom to be who I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but God started to heal my identity. God started to give me a new vision, a new behavior, a new heart. And I look at models, not as my competitions. I just like, if I can help you, please. If you can get the job, please do. Like, I, I just, I just change. Mm. And I, I, I didn't realize of my change until my friend said to me, "Tracy, there's something different about you." And I'm like, "What? what my hair? You know? <laughs> like what?" Oh. And then I said, "No, you're nicer. You're so happy." And I was like, "Wow." Jesus is not only is real because of people's story but it becomes so personal and real because I change Mm. without even trying to change Mm. just by accepting him and let the grand design of the universe fix me.
0: People were different. They had a glow like the light that Jesus mentions in the Gospel of Matthew and this led to a dramatic change in Tracy's life. You can hear the rest of Tracy's story in Logos Live episode 53 a really terrific story of transformation. So, we've heard five different stories from five very different people and there seems to be a trend that people from unbelieving backgrounds were struck by the difference that Jesus made in the lives of the believers they encountered. Hence, there may indeed be some support for the attraction-conversion hypothesis. What Peter predicted 2,000 years ago, that pagans will be attracted to the Christian message because of the distinctive behaviour of believers still happens today now these people didn't become christians simply because they were attracted to the transformed behavior of its adherents but it was the crucial step for them to at least consider that the christian message had something to say and that the bible might be true after all let me leave you with the logos for the day which is the exhortation to believers to live this attractive life from 1 peter two twelve. 12 live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong and they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I look forward to you joining us next time for Logos Live. Logos Live is recorded before a live audience in the CBD of Melbourne over lunchtime every second Wednesday. You can be part of the audience. Just check out logoslive.org or citybibleforum.org for the recording schedule. You're welcome to turn up or continue to tune in whenever Logos Live is broadcast or podcast. I look forward to you joining us next time. Logos live.